0: We are back. Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, a podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sill coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to all, no matter where you are, because we know you are listening in from all around the world. Speaking of all around the world, we have another international guest, a well-known name martin pickering martin pickering is joining us he's been on the podcast a few times already we always enjoy catching up with martin so stay tuned for that but before we get to martin let's have a look at what's been happening around the traps and what's in my mind Well, as usual i like to plug some upcoming events and there's a few that I want to remind you of first one being the New South Wales Patent Flyers event NSWPF 1000 aerobatics competition this is a, if you're a pattern flyer this is your opportunity to win some money there's a thousand dollar prize here that's that's a massive prize here in Australia to, to give someone a thousand dollar prize so if you fly pattern at any level whether you're in the sportsman's class all the way up to the uh, F3A category, the highest categories there are, you can just come down to Ash Island... Uh, the, sorry, the Rebel Flying Club field located off Cabbage Tree Road, Ash Island in Hexham, New South Wales on the 24th and 25th of June. So 24th, 25th of June at the Rebel Flying Club in New South Wales. They have their big patent event. I've talked about it a fair bit, but uh, $1,000. Basically, there'll be a fly-off uh, and even if you know they get the best pilots from each category and they'll have a, uh, a fly off and whoever gets the highest percentage compared to their promotional competition raw score average will take home grand prize. If you understand that, you're a better, than, better man than me. So New South Wales Patent Flyers 1000 Aerobatics competition at the Rebel Flying Club on the 24th to the 25th of June. It's the first one. Then in the next one, is the big event, the Festival of Aero Modelling that's happening up at the Inglewood Airport up in Queensland, 26th of June to the 3rd of July. Uh, a lot of work goes into this event. They're building a new uh, like plane storage, hangarish cover kind of thing. Um, anyway, 26th of June to the 3rd of July, Inglewood Airport Festival of Aero Modelling, eight, eight days of flying. Visit ALSM.com.au, that's the Australian Large Scale Models uh, website, ALSM.com.au, to buy tickets. Uh, it's an airport, so that means there's plenty of flying space. So for flight lines, you'll be able to fly anything from gliders to jets to helis to control line to scale, anything. Anything that you fly, will be, you'll be able to fly at the Festival of Aero Modeling uh, accommodation in the town of inglewood uh i'd be getting in pretty quick though um because i know there's a fair few people going up to this event uh there'll be also some camping on site as well make sure you turn up and all your models are in good condition you've got your heavy model certifications new jet certifications and everything like that when i no get getting any trouble um so registrations are open now alsm.com it's coming up it's just around the corner 26th of june to the 3rd of July at the Inglewood Airport now one more event a new one if you're into jets and you like going to South Australia or you live in South Australia big jet event happening at the Monato Club Uh, the Adelaide Model Aerosport Incorporated Association has their Jets over Monato event in on the 25th to the 27th of August uh, Adelaide Model Airsport welcomes you to a free low-key jet fun fly at its Monato Field, which I hear is an awesome field. Come and enjoy the camaraderie of other like-minded aero modelers. All types of jets welcome. They've got a 130-meter-long sealed runway. How good is that? Operating ceilings at 2,000 feet. That's massive. Good luck trying to see your models at 2,000 feet. On-site camping available: $10 a night, includes hot showers and access to barbecue facilities, toilet and shower facilities. Pilots must be a member of an NAAA-affiliated club. Well, this is going to be a good one. Uh, I was invited to go, but I won't be able to go due to some other commitments. But Jets over Monato, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 25th to the 27th of August. Get on over there. the, The South Australian community is really good at traveling to other states to go to events, you know, the Wang Jets event and Shepparton and things like that. Let's go and support them. If you're into jets and you want to have a good jet event, get over to Minato on the 25th to the 27th of August. I'm trying to see if there's a website or something. There isn't. Um, but anyway, I might put it on the Flatout RC Facebook page to tell people that here's some contact phone numbers. I don't want to say them out on air. But anyway, uh, Monato... Jets over Monato, 25th, 27th of August. Well, um, what's been happening? What's been on my mind? Well, I went out for another fly. All those people that think that I don't fly, I do go out and fly. But of course, my session was cut short today because uh, one of my mufflers on my 100cc had decided to come loose. And it's a question I'm going to ask our guest today on what Are his tips for keeping the mufflers on because I, I know many of you have had your mufflers shake loose off your gases and things like that? Uh, and I've tried all sorts of different things from um Loctite to sealant, you know, gasket sealant kind of stuff. You put some of that into the uh, into the threads and all this kind of stuff, but um, I think it comes down to having a, a nice clean surface to work with and stuff, so uh. I have to pull the cowl off and I didn't do it at the club. I was flying a 3D hobby shop, 104 inch slick. The engine's an EME 120, which is a great little motor actually. And uh, the slick is a split cow- cowl. And by the time I had to take off all the spinner bolts, all the prop bolts, the um, all the cowl bolts, uh, there's probably 30 bolts. I don't need to undo, there's that many bolts. I thought, you know what, this is the job for the shed. Pull it out, take your time, pull it apart, inspect what's going on and whilst you're there, I do like to do this with the big models, is just check everything through. Go through the whole plane and double check the servos are all in place and the screws are tight and just go through and give it a check. I've been, I've probably done, I don't know, 15 flights on that model now. I've um, sort of been kind of running it in. I'm going to give it a slight little tune. I've been told by my one of my a guy that helps me with tuning my engines. He said that you need to just crack that high end, I think it was uh, a little bit. I will ring him before I do it, but I'm going to go and make the most of just doing some uh, routine maintenance. The, the thing is, now I've got a bit of time because winter's going to be a busy time period um, for me for other reasons, but weather wise. <laughs> It's always hit and miss. I went out flying today because we had no wind. It's one of those days where they'd forecast fog in the morning. and it was a bit hazy, but it, it cleared actually quite quickly. So and and then it opened up to a beautiful day, perfect flying day. Um, it was quite a warm day actually, about 18 degrees Celsius. And uh, it was enjoyable and I'll tell you what Jets how many people are flying jets used to go to a field and and it'd be a rare occasion that you saw someone flying a turbine jet today. There were three, four different three or four different, uh, four different jets being flown by three different pilots. Uh, A couple of um, certification flights, which went really, really well, some F-16s and stuff. So I'll tell you what times have changed. You know, I always say you can judge the economy by uh, the sale of turbine jets and I'll tell you what, life is good. When you live in a country like Australia, We we live in a very, very lucky country, and you think about that concept of we can go and spend copious amounts of money on a turbine jet model to go and have fun, which is always above all of our operating expenses and our living expenses. We're doing well, and a lot of people have got more than one. So if anybody complains about living in a country like Australia, I'd just say, really? Are you Seriously? You, you, you serious about this you know that we have so many opportunities and we're fortunate enough to be able to you know earn reasonable livings you know if we try hard enough and um can afford nice toys so um so all is well in the world over here in the australia land lots of jets being sold <laughs> It's guest time, my favourite part of the podcast, uh, and we've got Martin Pickering back. Martin's been on a couple of times. He's he's a well-known name, especially on YouTube. Uh, he's got a great channel, Martin Pickering RC, I think it is, or Martin Pickering, one of the two. Uh, but uh, he he's a, an amazing pilot, um, an amazing authority on all things aeromodelling, always good to have a chat with. And I, I thought, you know what, let's get him back on, I'd like to have international guests, uh, just to... Brings up to speed with what he's been doing the past year and, and some of the events. We had him briefly on after last year's Festival Era Modelling, but he's been to other events and travelled the world, and uh, I want to have a chat with him on that. And I'm going to ask him about how to keep my muffler on, to my, on my plane because he'll probably have an answer for me. I hope he doesn't say welded on. Anyway, let's have a chat with Martin Pickering. Another international guest, a man that's been on before, Martin Pickering. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. Well, it's always good to have you because... You've always got some good stories to tell, and this is a catch-up with you, just to see what's been happening in the past year. So what have you been up to? A little bit of everything, really, and maybe not as much as as what I would like
1: as uh, uh, than usual. Uh, The last 18 months have been very different for us, as I unfortunately or fortunately uh, bought a house that needed uh, quite a lot of TLC. And what was initially planned for about a three-month project uh, to be done by Raquel and myself without any external help has turned out to be, well, 18 months of our lives, and we're almost, almost finished now. (laughs) I say almost, I'm hoping that in the next month or so, we'll have no more big jobs to do, and then we'll be able to catch up on what we all enjoy doing, of course. A lot more flying, and as everyone's been asking me lately, a lot more YouTube videos.
0: Well, I was going to say how ambitious people are when it comes to renovating. Oh, it's just a three-month job. You know, we'll knock it off in no time. <laughs> as you, there's, there's a. I learned that the hard way. Well, but do you not know always say is you look back at what you've what you've you've done, and you'll be really proud of it, and you and no doubt it'll be a really good uh, outcome. Yes, I think the thing that I'm going to look back most on as well
1: is. Doing this again,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that is yeah that that generally happens as well. Now, okay, so not much flying, but uh, doing grown up stuff, which you have to do. Well, have you still got a good space to build model planes? Yes, that was one of the requirements when buying the house. It had
1: to a have a nice workshop, and b I wanted one that actually I could fit in along with the planes more than the previous one. <laughs> now. I think we mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts. The workshop that I had before, even though in the videos it's all looks very nice and doesn't look particularly small, believe me, it it was. Um, in total, we were looking at something on the in the line of two and a half meters by four meters. And that was both where all the videos were shot, but also where all the planes are built and stored, along with all the equipment, all the gear and well, it was at the end of the day, it's a workshop, so it's always covered in uh, dust, work materials, tools, you name it, boxes. So I'm very pleased to say that even though what I have now is probably small compared to a lot of <laughs> other workshops out there, but for me, uh, this one's now uh, it's about six meters by four. And this
0: place feels huge. <laughs> I can imagine two meters by four is like a cupboard. It's like it's, it's like a little wardrobe where you keep your clothes half the time. But uh, six by four—that's that, a—that's really exactly. a good space. And that'd be especially special. with the size of models seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, that workshop was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> that's true. It's amazing the explosion of the size of planes that we're, we're flying nowadays. Are you still in the same town? So you same flying field or somewhere else? Yeah, I'm, I'm literally
1: two streets away. Oh, okay. So uh, all very close by. Moving all the planes and gear and equipment from one place to the other was a non-issue, really. Just a few trips with the trailer. Two minutes down the road. Jobs are good. Yeah.
0: Now, for those that don't know, Martin lives in Spain. You've been in Spain for most of your yep. life, haven't you? So – um. So, yeah, what's the weather like at the moment in Spain? Today is actually beautiful. However, we've had the worst two
1: weeks of rain for a year, Uh, probably. Really? uh, Which it it was necessary as well. So, to be fair, I mean, we've not been able to do much. We've been locked in the house and getting wet every time you were left to go to work. But the country needed it. So, it's good it rained. But we've had enough
0: now. It's time to go flying again. Yeah, we had that last year. Actually, yeah, our last last winter it was really, really wet, uh, and you know m- m- the field where I go flying has a habit of flooding. It floods every time there's big, hmm. big you know days of rain. It will flood because there's a creek that runs through it that is not well maintained by the authorities, and so it overflows into the field. So you go, okay, not flying for float three, planes. Yeah, fl- I'll tell you what. Have you ever flown <laughs> float planes?
1: No, that's, oh. I was mentioning this with a, with a friend the other day. I think that's possibly one of the few
0: types of aircraft that I've not yet flown. I tell you what, I did it for the first time. It is so much fun because it's a really, it's a really social way to fly. When you're sitting on the bank of a lake or something, having a fly, right. it is it is so. Good. I didn't realise it, and I just had this little FMS super cub or something and put it on floats and uh a whole bunch of other people that had the same kind of things and oh you're not really going crazy doing aerobatics or anything but there's just something about it when you're sitting on the edge of a lake flying a plane it was just it was so much fun i can't wait to get back yes i imagine it's quite conducive
1: to that because the um with with the floats i can imagine everything's so very draggy so it, it must be a very different style of flying and they're probably it moves more towards the friendly side than the let's go nuts with this.
0: But you do a lot of touch and goes. And and like I was flying with another another friend of mine who had the same plane and we just said, let's just fly in formation. So we're just flying around and I'd say, oh, I'm going to do a touch and go. He'd say, okay, I'll come in after you. And it was very – it was just a friendly <laughs> way to fly. And, you know, when you got a lot of events, everyone's flying circuits kind of thing. And, yeah, we're kind of flying circuits, but it's sort of abbreviated circuits. And, and it's just – yeah nice safe mucking around kind of thing but um yeah that was a good experience I really enjoyed my uh, my first float flying experience you've got to get out there now you uh, speaking of events you've been to a lot of events so i just want to recap some of the events you've been to in, in um in the past 12 months because even though you say you've been busy working you, you've probably been to more events than most of us uh, and a lot of international <laughs> events as well because you're a man in demand because you always put on a good show now you started about a year ago. It's almost a year, I think, ago now. Um, in Australia, when you came to the festival, era Festival of Era modeling, and we had you on with the whole group of the whole gang. I think you had a good time yep. there, didn't you?
1: Oh, had the best. Uh, I mean, the location is very unique, uh, perfect for what they um, put on uh, and are putting on again very soon. So anyone who's out there has the opportunity, make sure to to look them up and, and head over there. Um, but not only the location, but the group of people that were both putting it on and that uh, took part in the event, uh, just like you're saying with the float planes, it's just so much fun. And flying to some degree was secondary to just messing about, having fun, chatting to everyone uh, and just having a blast of
0: a week. Yeah, that seemed like a was good. Uh... Out at Inglewood, there at the Inglewood Airport in Queensland, I keep on plugging. I've been plugging it hard leading up to it, and it looks like this year's actually going to be a bit bigger. So you've paved the way, you put the you help put the event on the map here. And so I was talking to David Gale and the organisers uh, a few weeks ago, and he told me back then, oh, this this would probably be three to four weeks ago. He said, oh, we've already got seventy people signed up, and there were more that were coming. So it's um. I think you have really helped uh, kick that kick that event along, uh, and uh, Aaron Gall was out there building a shelter. So the uh, the local council and the airport there are really supporting that event. So it was good to have you, and uh, no doubt you got to see some kangaroos as well. Oh yeah, no, I mean, uh,
1: I didn't really pave the way for anything. When I arrived, they already had everything really well sorted out, and they these guys really put in the hours to make the event what it is. Uh, I was just another guy having fun flying anything that was thrown at me. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some of the, uh, they uh, actually had talks last year with uh, the local council whilst we were there. I mean, the local council spent uh, several of the days with us at the uh, airfield and air show uh, discussing what they could do, how they could help. I mean, I think I've never seen any local authority be so involved and so interested in Helping an error modeling event uh, as they are over there, so I'm sure it's just going to go from strength to strength.
0: Well, as you probably witnessed, that we've got a very big, vast land here in Australia, and we've got a lot of country towns, and they they love it when a, a group of people want to come there and and hold an event, and so it's good to see. How supportive, they have been so that that event will just keep on growing, um, from strength to strength. So, uh, one day I hope to get up, yeah, there. yeah. I
1: mean, you say you say about the, the, the vast expanses, yeah. I mean, when I arrived, um, David and Aaron basically said, Okay, well, we're gonna head up tomorrow, but you head up the day after. Uh, here are some car keys. Uh, don't worry, it's just around the corner, it's only three and a half hours, from here. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just around the corner, great. This is this is a Right-hand side drive car uh, on the wrong side of the road for me. Yeah, and even though I am British, I've never driven in the UK. So we had three and a half hours driving on the wrong side of the road for the first time, uh, having had strict instructions to say, if you see an animal, be careful. Some of them are big, heavy,
0: and they don't move. Mm, that's <laughs> true. I, I, it, it's amazing how. A lot of our international guests might not know. You hear of Australia and kangaroos, and yes, we do have a fair few kangaroos, but at dawn and dusk is when the kangaroos like to wander around a fair bit and they do get hit by cars a fair bit because they're very skittish. It's like you'll see them and you don't know which direction they're going to go in and that's uh, it becomes a problem. So as you're driving along, no doubt, you would have seen what we call the roadkill along the side of the road, whether it's a wombats or... Or uh, the other one that I see in some areas is, yeah. is deer.
1: Unfortunately,
0: down where I am, we get deer, not in the, in, the, in Melbourne, but out in the higher hills and stuff like that. There's all these rogue deer now that we're getting hit as well. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so okay. So Australian experience was good. Now, after Australia, you headed where D- Dubai? Was that the next one?
1: Uh, after Australia, I think the next one was Jet Power in September in Germany. Okay. Yep. How uh, was that? Always have a blast there.
0: Now, what is jet power all about? It's a
1: jet event, isn't it? Yeah, I tend to classify jet uh, jet power as being the world's largest jet fair because not only is it a massive air show, it's got to be up there as the big one of the biggest, if not the biggest uh, jet event in Europe, uh, possibly even the world, uh, but as well as the actual air show with all the really cool toys and all the best pilots. They also have right behind it the biggest marquee that you've probably ever seen. Uh, last year, from memory, the size of the marquee was 240 meters long by, I think it was something like 30 meters wide. Gee. And I mean, full cram packed with different brands, stores, shops, everything to do with modeling. So, I mean, paradise.
0: So you must have been busy sort of, in all aspects, you would have been there supporting some of your sponsors and uh, out flying as well? Yeah. Jet Power is one of those events where you arrive back at the hotel in the evening
1: absolutely finished. I mean, Mm. uh, just to walk from one side of the uh, marquee to the other. On the days before the event, sure, it's 240 metres, you can get there in two minutes, one side to the other. During the event, because of the amount of people in there, Uh, that same uh, 240 meters might take you two or three hours because A, it's packed with people, but B, there's so many people you haven't seen for so long that you talk to, uh, chat about things, chat with all the manufacturers, all the new toys, what makes a particular model different or they're showing off a, a new style of servo and anything like that. And it's just... You go past once, then you walk past again. You think, oh, I didn't see that last time. I, I missed that bit. So you ended up talking to someone else again. And uh no, it's a it's a really cool place. And I think anyone who's into air modeling, even if you're not particularly into jets, just because of all the the, the shops that also have small accessories, trinkets, um, you know, I mean, I think I bought, amongst other things, a really cool set of really tiny drill bits. So things that you can't really find normally, easily there. You just kick a stone and, and wherever it lands, there'll be something cool.
0: That's amazing. Was there anything sort of new technology that caught your
1: eye? Oh, uh, what did we have last year? Uh, in, in a sense, the novelty effect of jet power isn't what it used to be, but that isn't jet power's fault. That's, I'd say that's the internet's fault. I mean, if we go back uh, 10 years, if you wanted to see what was new and what was cool, you had to go to Jet Power. Now, the brands no longer really kind of wait for Jet Power to release the stuff. Once it's ready and available, they release it on the internet. We all see it on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. And when you arrive at Jet Power, now I would say you tend to have a little bit more of an idea of, okay, I want to see this one, I want to see that one, and so on and so forth. And uh, I mean, this year particularly, the with it being the first year back of jet power, everyone was kind of uh, everyone just took the event differently this year. Uh, last year, uh, I mean, whereas previously, uh, the day before the event, you had a massive long queue of all the pilots wanting to test the runway, test the models, that make sure everything's arrived okay so that the show can be as smooth as possible. And there's some kind of tension there because everyone wants to fly and they know that we've got limited time to do so. Uh, And you've got people pushing in a little bit and sort of pushing to get their turn. Uh, This last year, there was none of that. This last year, everyone was just concentrating on on each other. And it was was a very different style of jet power, but it was also very nice to see. uh, Some brands who are normally a little bit more standoffish were back to being just, we're pleased to be here. It's really cool to see everyone. And everyone was just chatting and hugging and let's say, different style. And for the first time in all of my jet powers, I would say that the flying and the models actually didn't come first.
0: It's like a family reunion.
1: Yeah, I mean, we having been going for a load of years now, you go every year and to some degree, you know, everyone, not everyone, but the, 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 regulars, all the same faces and a lot of people you only see at jet power. But of course, having been off for three or four years, all those people that you normally see regularly, more or less once a year, catching up after four years off.
0: Yeah. yeah it's
1: different, uh, bit special.
0: And, what, did you fly there as well?
1: Yes. Uh, I was very fortunate that, uh, a good friend, uh, Enrico, lent me his uh, Pilot RC FC1 jet, which is, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically, it kind of looks like an F5, uh, but as with anything that, because um, the model is actually designed by Enrico along with Ralph Lozema, and uh, between them, they sort of, they're the ones that started the whole vector jet 3D revolution. They were the ones that created the original J10. Oh, yeah. The one that's now sold by Carve.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so my first jet was an Ultra Flash, as <laughs> I think almost everyone's was. Yeah, a lot of them. Uh, and, I, and I painted that as a Swiss F5 because the F5's always been one of my, or if not my favorite model. So the FC1, which really looks very similar but has all the 3D vector stuff, and it's designed to be light. Uh, I've wanted one ever since I saw the first one. And uh, I hadn't flown one until Jet Power last year when uh, Enrico kindly offered me his. So I was super excited. And as soon as I did the first flight, I, I knew that my excitement was well-placed. I mean, this thing is a beast it flies amazing it flies like it's on rails but then flip a switch and you've got all the 3d capability of the j10 as well as because it's not a delta it'll actually do knife edge as well because j10 doesn't really like knife edging too much so to be able to do all the classic uh aerobatic maneuvers because now you can do knife edge you can do slow rolls you can do f- point rolls uh, and all that kind of maneuvers so having that capability and 3d capability as well right well, i loved it and i actually had one sitting at home waiting for me oh really uh which i've had well i had in the box probably three months prior to going to jet power last year but what with all the house and uh, everything else going on i unfortunately hadn't had a chance to open it yet
0: oh, geez, so don't...
1: knowing that i had it at home waiting to go to Jet Power to test it. Also, fingers crossed, hoping that I enjoyed it, because knowing I had one at home, (laughs) it would be terrible if you arrived back and thought, oh, that was horrible. Yeah, it's true. It it was brilliant. And uh, actually now, as we're now kind of finishing the house, finally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did the unboxing video, which will be going live on the channel coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to finish a a couple of edits on that. And we'll be having a full build uh, video on that as it progresses.
0: That'll be good. Uh, That's what that's, is it three meters long? Yes. 120 inches and wingspan of 1.9 meters, 74.8 inches wingspan. So it's got a, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a a big model.
1: This one, uh, I'm just waiting for the turbine to arrive. And I was going to have a a JetCap
0: P250 Pro version two in
1: it so it's gonna have some
0: serious um yeah because it's saying here weights 14 to 14.7 with the jet cap p220 rxi turbine and full uat that's what the i'm going off the pilot rc website here so but um so um, we're so we're looking at probably a two to
1: one power to power to weight ratio by the time we're finished
0: and and vectored as well absolutely yeah definitely yeah oh you'd have to really what color scheme uh,
1: funnily enough, the exact same colour scheme as I flew in Jet Power, which is the uh, sort of splinter cell camo with uh, the uh, fluorescent yellow highlights. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yep, oh, that. you can really I'm, see it in the stars.
0: Yeah, well. I was just saying. I was just, I was just looking at that on the on the Pilot RC website, and um, that is phenomenal. So yeah, the the FC One Elster Jet it's called cool. that that's going to be that'd be awesome so looking forward to that so yeah, it's martin is it martin pickering rc on the youtube or just martin pickering um just martin pickering in english or pickering rc for
1: the spanish one as well which we started uh probably well around about the same time as we started the house so too yeah. many projects
0: <laughs> oh no i'll tell you what it's a lot of work you've created a monster for yourself haven't you but it's good. It's good. We enjoy it. So uh, Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, okay. So that sounds like it was a really good good project on the on the go as well. So after jet power, where was it Too Was it India or or Dubai? Um, the next one to that
1: was Dubai. Uh, Dubai was actually on the way to India. So we could sort of group them both together. Okay. Uh, whenever traveling to India, normally uh, you have to basically lay over in Dubai anyway. So, uh, this year worked out and I was able to head over there and, uh, spend some time with the guys in Dubai and had a blast. I mean, I was actually, unfortunately only there for basically one day, uh, but it was actually a mistake when the, when the tickets were booked, um, because the flight arrived into Dubai at something like six in the morning and it flew out at midnight okay so just... and when it was booked we all thought oh cool so arriving at uh, uh at six leaves at 12 or 11 something it's not too bad of a layover uh, plenty of time to go through then we realized ah but one's in the m- it's six in the morning and tw- eleven in the evening that's a really long day to really? stay in an airport so uh i was uh, fortunate to be able to call some of the friends in uh, dubai uh particularly the guys at gonzo hobbies and said guys a uh, couple of days time i'm gonna be in dubai airport for a day come get me out of here <laughs> <laughs> so they picked us up and it was uh just around about when the um uh uae national day was being celebrated so everyone was there and we just had a, a, a brilliant day seeing everyone catching up uh flew loads of planes uh probably the time that i Flown the most in Dubai, even though it was just for a, a short day, and then uh, once the day was over, packed everything up and
0: headed back over to uh, the next trip, which was uh, India. Just on Dubai, have they banned radio-controlled planes or flight or something? I was reading. Was it? Was I reading somewhere that? Yeah, they, they've they, got a they problem. Had an issue, which, uh, as far as I know, is, is
1: currently resolved. Um, they, they prohibited flying in certain hours. So the the Flying Club was allowed to fly um, a certain time in the morning and a certain time in the afternoon. Uh, The problem was that, I mean, locals could go and they could have a quick fly. It had to be a quick fly because it was quite restrictive as to what the timings were. However, at the time they were struggling to put on events because Obviously, if you have uh, guests coming, the last thing you want is to say, okay, great, cool. So we'll pick you guys up at the uh, airport at 10. Then we'll take you back at 12. And then uh, we'll do some more flying between four and six. And then that'll be it for the day, Mm -hmm. which was kind of what was happening at the time. Uh, Fortunately, just before I flew out, uh, the club was able to gain an exception to that which meant that they were allowed to fly, uh, I believe it was during all hours of daylight or something, something on those lines. Okay. That's cool. And uh, so at least they were able to to get that resolved.
0: And what are people flying and At the same
1: time, it it's also coincided, cool. I believe, with their hot season, which really is a hot season. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it didn't affect too much, I believe, because it, in that time of the year, they can't really go
0: flying anyway because... You don't want to be outside. Not in the middle of the day. No, I heard that they that a lot of people in those warmer months will fly very early in the morning. They'll be done very early as well. Uh, what are people flying in Dubai? Yeah. Like, is it, uh, We always see a lot of jets being flown in Dubai, but uh, is it a mixture of uh, aircraft? Yeah, there's, there's still a mix,
1: but uh, it's very much jet-orientated now. Um, I mean, I I'm not sure what it's like over in Australia, but here as well. I mean, I think globally, really, the, um, the jet scene is taking over slowly bit by bit uh, at pretty much any airfield that allows them i mean we've had uh, we used to have here everyone had a proper plane uh a large like 100 cc and now sure a, a few of the guys still have them and some of them still bring them to the club but almost all of them have moved on to some size of jet turbine
0: yeah well i was just saying uh, earlier um before we got on air uh, that you know, I went to the flying club today and you, you, uh, you know go back four or five years you'd go to the flying club and when you saw a turbine jet it was like a novelty oh someone's got a jet and now today yeah. there were four jets two were being you know, going through a certification process but four 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 jets three different owners uh you know it's just it's amazing how many? I use the example of a friend of mine who couldn't stand just. He said two years ago couldn't stand jets. Now he has seven, and it's just it's yeah. just it's phenomenal to see.
1: Oh, the book bikes, and that's it. You're done.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to talk more about that later I mean, about being. Uh, I was the same.
1: I I initially uh, I started in jets by accident, entirely by accident. I was fl- I was very happy with my hundred ccers. Uh, It was back in the day when I was competing, so I was doing the uh, all the IMAX stuff, the pattern. I had my 100ccs and 150ccs as it was back then, and I had no interest whatsoever in turbines. And a friend of mine bought one at the club, and he said, "I bought a jet." I said, "Oh, congrats!" Like most uninterested reply, but you know, congrats, whatever, sure. Can it prop hang? <laughs> No. Um, so he said, no, but I, I need you to come with me and, um, you, you know, we can go pick it up. And that way you can, um, you know, they can teach you to fly a bit and then you can help me back at our home club. Because he figured that, you know, I'd pick it up sooner than he would. It's like, yeah, no, nah, not interested. Jets, nah, nah. But, come on, dude. I said, like, oh, jets, they they just go around in circles yeah. and explode. Like, now, come on, give us a hand. I like, okay, well, fine, whatever. So, like, okay. We have to go to Mallorca to pick it up. It's like, okay, cool. If we're gonna to go to Mallorca, then sure, we'll, you know, mm-hmm. have a have a fun weekend out of it. And we arrived at uh the uh the shop in Mallorca. Uh coincidentally, the um jet cat dealer for Spain and uh it was just a, a boomerang LM. Oh yeah. So you know, really, really simple, really good plane to fly. And uh, we went to the flying field, and the owner of the um, the shop, the jetcat Spain dealer, explained everything to us, like how the turbine works, what to do, what not to do. And he flew it, and it it seemed to fly good, but I was still not really interested in it, and. uh it was then the hour turn and the owner of the model said to me, well, look, you fly it first. Uh, you're the one that's got to kind of get used to it. And then once we get back home, I can be the teacher to him. So the guy's about to hand me the radio and uh, so we can take off. And we look at the radio and then the throttle sticks on the right hand side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guy flies mode one. I fly mode two. Now, sure. I do actually fly mode one, but for the first flight on a jet, I don't particularly want to try and do that on a mode no. one radio. <laughs> no. So I'm going to go back to the shop, pick up uh, a mode two radio, copy all the files, and have the guy give me the radio and say, look, you've got to take it off. And if you take off, you've got to land it uh, because I can't take the radio off you in mode two. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like oh, pressure's on. Great take off and it had been raining the whole night before so it's a mud field and you take off and the wheels are just completely clogged with mud <laughs> but hit the retract switch it goes up and i mean this is a boomerang land. and from memory i think it had a jetcat p80 in it so it wasn't a massively overpowered boomerang either it was you know it's the turbine it should have in it basically and this thing felt like it was doing a million miles an hour (laughs) never flown anything like it so smooth of course no prop wash and it just felt like the sky wasn't big enough for me (laughs) and uh anyway time comes to land get one flap out get the other flap out hit the retract switch does the retract come out (laughs) no (laughs) one of the legs doesn't come out Because the the wheels have got so much mud on them that it's just locked in the wing. (laughs) So my first ever jet landing was a two-pointer. Oh, no. Uh, But fortunately, I was able to get it in okay. We had no issues. We uh, cleaned the wheels off, and we basically decided, okay, we've got to keep flying because we've come here for, for, for this. All we'll have to do is, rather than take off as soon as possible, we'll let it use basically all the runway. That way, with the speed, most of the mud will basically fling off and uh, won't be an issue. And on the second flight, I tried a couple of you know bits of knife edges, a few slow rolls. starting to get a little bit more used to uh, what was going on. And on the second flight, landed it on all three wheels. And all I could say, a massive smile on my face. I won't want, want one. Anyone, anyone. <laughs> oh, I want one. No. I need one. I need one. I want one. And um, because of those knife edge and those slow rolls the uh guy at the at the shop who was the jetcat spain dealer uh sort of said well i've not seen anyone do that kind of flight on a turbine on being their second fly (laughs) so if you do want uh if you do end up building a jet let me know you've already got your jetcat sponsorship (laughs) so i was was, was actually i was fortunate enough to be sponsored by jetcat before owning a jet sure. which is kind of a fun story but yeah so uh, so i went from having zero interest uh, as your friend did to wanting a jet and having a turbine sponsor in two flights
0: <laughs> what was the first jet you got what was the first airframe
1: uh ultra flash
0: oh that's right that's right the ultra flash yep and and they're not a slow plane are they
1: <laughs> no and uh we actually put in it the brand new at the time JetCat P140 uh, RX, and that thing went. I mean, that thing, we could clock it easily at 500 kilometers an hour yeah. every time. Yeah, fast. And uh, I had a lot of fun with that over many, many, many years. And the turbine is actually the one that I still have in my ultimatum. Excellent.
0: So, see, they, they keep on going, these turbines. Oh, yeah. Now, going from sort of an aerobatics background, a freestyle aerobatics background, getting into jets, it's they, they, they're quite different things because you, with the aerobatics kind of thing that you do, very broad flight envelope. You can slow the plane right down. You can hover. You know, crazy three D tricks and all that kind of stuff. Then going to the jet where it's not as capable, and and you know it's a different it's a different beast. What what has been your approach when it comes to flying jets versus your aerobatic planes? I
1: would say that my style has, has changed over the years with flying jets. Um, when I first started flying them, um, I was kind of in some way trying to apply the prop style of flying to the jet and flying in a relatively small space doing the manoeuvres relatively quickly, tight together, close, closed in, and and not really leaving any gaps in in between manoeuvres and so on. But I would say now I've um, sort of learned to sort of slow things down a bit with the jet and not try and cram as much in, but try and make the most of that elegance that the jets have, that precision, smoothness, and just still do a lot of those same manoeuvres, but rather than try and cram them all into a minute and a half, kind of sort of drag them out a little bit more over the flight. And uh, sure, there are manoeuvres that it can't do like the the prop planes can. Uh, I mean, any any kind of spin or snap manoeuvre, unless you've got a vector thrust on it, you've got no chance. Um, But at the same time, there are manoeuvres that you can do with a jet, which will look awesome that when you do them with a prop plane it just doesn't have the same response i mean any kind of uh, it just uh, a slow wing down uh, flaps out uh, circuit close to the ground um and you do that with a prop plane and you're basically just going around in circles mm. whereas with a jet if you get that wing down and the flaps out in it just looks so much smoother and nicer uh, or even just a general like slow roll if you do a a, a slow i mean a a particular maneuver maneuver that i like with uh, the fast jets is uh how to explain it if you do a 4 point roll uh, but rather than doing one quarter on each of those four points if you do a three quarter roll on each one of those four points so you kind of do three quarters to knife edge three quarters to inverted 3 quarters to the opposite knife edge and 3 quarters back to positive flying. Do it with a prop plane and it sure, it's okay. But do that nice and smooth and relatively quick and on a straight line with a jet. And it just looks insane. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just adapting the same maneuvers to what actually looks right. In, in, in my eyes, at least for that particular model.
0: That actually makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. I can I could relate to that and I, and hundred percent agree that you know like a slow roll. I, I I love a slow roll. One of those rolls that sort of goes straight down the strip, but it does look a bit more elegant on a on a jet versus say a prop plane. Um, but when you're flying the jets, you know when you're flying freestyle aerobatics, you do a lot of close in sort of flying. What's your flight envelope look like? What does your, your box look like when you're flying uh, the jets? Are you are taking it out a bit further or are you mixing it up?
1: Yeah, generally much bigger box, but at the end of the day, you're still using the same box for the cool manoeuvres. So, okay, the whole flight envelope is using a massive box because you need the space to uh, go and turn around or, or do imelmans or half imelmans or so on. However, at the end of the day, you're still looking to do that knife edge down the dotted line in the middle of the runway so you're still focused on that same point uh, for for the main part of the flight the, all the maneuvers you're just allowing the edges to grow a little bit so that you're not quite as rushed when it comes to doing those maneuvers on those on that dotted line
0: that makes a lot of sense
1: and then one one that i used to do too much of as well which I think generally happens now, uh, a lot of times at the flying field, you see a scale plane ripping the sky up doing an inverted pass. And you think, eh, okay, sure. Could the real one do an inverted pass? Yeah, I mean, you could argue that that any scale plane normally, unless it's an airliner, probably could do an inverted pass. But again, it doesn't really quite look right. Whereas if you do a couple of barrel rolls, um maybe not a knife edge but you can kind of pull up a little bit show the wing almost at knife edge but without any rudder let it come back down again through gravity and then roll it level again and pull up a little bit it all just looks nicer for the for that particular model and i think a lot of it is just finding what looks right for the particular model that you're flying sure you're not going to fly a sport jet in the same way as you're going to fly a scale jet and vice versa
0: That's true. When you're doing uh, demo flights with jets, are you pre-planning a sequence or are you just going with the flow? No, that's something that I've never really
1: done. Um, I tend to just go out there and fly and have fun. I always generally say that if I'm having fun, anyone behind me who's watching will probably enjoy it as well. Um, That can also mean that a particular flight may be uninspiring simply because... You land and you think, oh, I forgot to do this, 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 and this because I was having too much fun playing with the smoke and the flaps out. But, uh, yeah, I've never really been one for actually having a set sequence. Uh, I'm not sure if that's maybe part of why people enjoy watching some of my flying because it it, it isn't always the same. It isn't a, a set routine. And I'm just making it up as I go along. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Yeah. From Dubai, you went to India. What yep. happened in India? Why, why do you go to India to go fly?
1: Why not? <laughs> now in India, I have some some really good friends who uh, I've been to their to their property now probably six or seven times, maybe. Um, and it's a wonderful family where both the father and son fly, and they absolutely love it. I mean, it, it's is their their world almost and uh, they actually have me over there basically to uh, just help them finish setting up some models get them all flying nice and smooth and then to stand with them uh kind of like a driving instructor really just be with them and help them out point them in the right direction with certain maneuvers how to uh, do other maneuvers a little bit more smoothly how to land different types of aircraft, Uh, I mean, the first time I went out there, they were uh, learning on prop planes, how to do sort of like 3D maneuvers, Uh, went out a couple of times for that. Then they wanted to get involved in jets. So I started off with a few uh, J-10s, which were what they wanted to fly. And uh, now more recently, they've been getting into, as well as the the, uh, the J-10s, they've built a load of sports jets, quicker ones, and uh, just sort of seeing how... they all fly because they actually have uh, quite a limited time window in which they can fly similar to dubai really in the sense that their hot season is very hot they then get the wet season which is very wet and they can't fly either so they kind of uh have i think it's something like from around about mm, sort of mm, october november through to february march when they can fly the rest of the year sure they can fly but it's not pleasant yeah so i tend to go out normally towards the beginning of that season uh spend a day or two setting up models because i mean we're talking setting up maybe 10 jets and a few uh prop planes as well Uh, i mean they're all set up but just making sure everything's hunky-dory do the maiden flights uh, do all the settings just to get them flying nice and straight in knife edge, making sure the CG is right, all the A1 differentials, all that good stuff. Um yeah, I mean, I actually prefer the first days because the first days I get a load of flying in, and then subsequent days I'm the teacher. So I stand next to next to them seeing how they fly, and then just have the odd uh the odd flight in between. But I mean it's non-stop, non-stop. We go there and uh, normally in a week, we'll go through about 2,000 litres of kerosene. Oh, really?
0: I'll tell you what, you should just sit there and say, you should say to them, uh, oh, look, this plane's still not flying well. I need to do a few more flights. I'll fix it, but I just need a few more flights and just keep on Yeah, I need, I need to do that next one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 300 flights later. Yep, I've got it. It's perfect. The engine yeah, needs I'm, to go I'm in for I'm service. I'm leaving
1: tomorrow, but it's, but it's perfect now.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. that's a good relationship to have.
1: yeah, but the funny the funny side of that is that error modeling is actually not allowed in India. <laughs> yeah they actually have their own flying field, uh, which was set up and built in well basically literally the middle of nowhere. And the uh, it seems that the Indian authorities weren't sure how to control the whole drone explosion when that happened. So the uh, blanket ban was, okay, we don't know how to control it. So we'll just ban everything. Oh, that's crazy. So they have to uh, really jump through some hoops to get the models out there, to get the equipment out there. Uh, whenever I head out there, I normally can't take my own radio. So, uh, sometimes they arrange a bit of an air show while we're there for the last day or two. Uh, but it's a case of using very much all of their equipment and, uh, not taking anything of my own because uh, you might have problems at the airport getting in. Oh, well, more than problems, they'll just confiscate it from you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which we don't want to happen with our precious radio.
0: Not at all. Not at all. Well, that just shows you how lucky we've got it where we can just, uh, any day of the week, head to the local club and go for a fly. Absolutely. Although,
1: they they can't complain either because they, they do have uh, several helpers only for the flying field which i would love to have here Mm -hmm. because we rock up in the morning and all the planes are already assembled fueled charged ready to go all you do is point at one continue talking with the guys momentarily you'll hear an engine start seconds later a guy will bring you a radio and he'll just say plane's over there sir ready when you are uh,
0: that's what, see that's what we need very much
1: very much different level I mean the first time I went uh we uh, test flew uh, an extra and it flew nice but it needed a couple of degrees of uh down or up thrust on the engine so as as I'm used to I I, I landed killed the engine went and got the plane went to the toolbox got a couple of screwdrivers out started taking the uh the cowl and prop off. And
0: they came over to me and said, No,
1: no, 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 no. Just has what needs to be done.
0: <laughs> It'll happen. It's like, like a, no. a Formula One car racer. Yep. Uh this needs yeah. setting change. I mean, you, know, you used to especially on something
1: as as simple but annoying to do, like changing the engine thrust, where you do it once, you fly, you realize you need another washer, you do it again.
0: Yeah.
1: There it's easy. Oh, needs another washer
0: sorry <laughs> <laughs> here we go again <laughs> yeah well well i'll tell you what if if, if you need a helper uh, put a good word for me and i'll come and uh we can enjoy some indian food and uh and um you know have our have our oh, that's that's, the,
1: that's that's the best part of 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 the travel yeah indian food brilliant although i i absolutely love it but after a week of it you're looking forward to some simple plain bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is
0: true. That is true. Okay, so let's move on uh, to, to to the last country I want to talk about. And I recently watched one of your videos where you went to Chile or Chile as people would pronounce it. How did that opportunity yes.
1: come about? Uh, well, I've been very fortunate uh, to have actually been to that particular club uh, a couple of times now. Um on this occasion, it was for the Andes Jets, which is, uh, Chile's biggest jet meet, uh, possibly South America's biggest jet meet. Uh, but the, the location, as you're saying is amazing. And, uh, no, on this occasion, it was just a case of, I've been there before. Um, I've always gotten really well with all the guys down there. Uh, really great bunch of guys and uh the opportunity was there this year to to head back over uh unlike last time where we we actually shipped my j10 over there so you can imagine the box yeah. to carry a j10 yeah uh I it took it. a bit it was a yeah, a real hard slug to actually get it there in time because of all the uh, customs issues and then it took us two or three months to get it back mm. here all in one piece uh it ended up having to be recreated by the shipping company uh halfway here because the uh there were some issues with the box not being fully compliant with regulations oh, no. regarding the fumigation of the wood mm. for possible uh bugs in it uh but this this year they they kind of offered us the invite and said look welcome to come uh but we'll lend you our planes this year yeah, that's so easier. that was fine by me. Yeah. Although it it made it a hard week. It made it a hard week because we had a blast. Wouldn't have changed it for the world. But the planes had been sitting in a shipping container for uh, six months to a year, and we spent the week just fighting with the planes to get them all working properly. Oh, really? I mean, I'm actually, I'm, I'm editing a video now on the the event. The I mean, I, I, as you've seen, I've uploaded a few videos of snippets, uh, but I'm working on the main event video now. But we had uh, flameouts in the worst possible locations. Oh. Uh, we actually had a J-10 whose fuel tank was ejected mid-flight. No, how? Yeah. Uh, turns out that it had previously pancaked due to a, a flame out. It had not suffered any damage that had been detected. However, the mounting lugs that the fuel tank straps went through seemingly looked like they had uh, not held up as well as everyone thought. Mm. So there's me uh having had a couple of flights on it getting all the uh, the IGRO set up getting everything working how i like it plane was starting to fly really nice and uh pulled up to do a square loop and the plane went up and the four or five liter fuel tank uh just went continued on the original trajectory that the plane had oh
0: really would it come out of the canopy followed, or followed, followed up?
1: no came out the bottom Oh. The uh, J-10 has a hatch under the under the fuzz, oh. uh, which is in between the landing gear, and it's where you put the tank uh, in through. Okay, uh, it turns out it also works to uh, pull the tank out from. Gee. But of course, the uh, the plane didn't really go very far once it didn't have any fuel inside it. <laughs> and what happened? Did he get it down, or? Yeah, we were fortunate to uh, that it, it kind of went high enough to be able to get the nose down uh and we were able to get it get the plane down and then just uh glue everything back in and uh we, we were golden but yeah, uh yeah we had a, we had a few issues did not you get that mention on the last one which no did you didn't get it on to, camera fortunately not the one that we did get on camera though was them literally blowing up my f100 really you may have, I mean, I think the photo went uh, went global, really. Heady but there's a up. brilliant photo of uh, the F-100 that I was flying. This, this is like a three-meter, 200-newton power turbine, F-100, with all the bombs and missiles on it. Mm. And behind it, you can see a massive fireball. Now, in that particular photo, what... You're not too sure of is, did that happen before, during, or after you flew past? Oh. Well, as uh, as they do in Western Park uh, every year, they they organise this sort of war simulation where yeah. you have several airplanes flying at once, and uh, they just have these petrol bombs that go off every now and again. And whereas in the UK, they have Anyone and everyone flying with small foam electric models. In Chile, they go one better. They just fly their big jets.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, they said, but don't worry, all these bombs, there's like 10 or 12 of them. They go maybe about two meters high, the actual explosion, like the fireball. And we're used to it. And we always hit the button once the plane has gone past. Oh, no. Here's a plane to fly. Go have fun okay, cool, fine. Um, I wouldn't be doing this if it was my jet, but if you guys say so, I I have no issue in flying it. And basically on the second bomb, uh, I'm not sure what happened, but it was probably three to four times the size of any of the others. (laughs) And they pressed it just before I went through.
0: I was just thinking that might happen. And then what? So the plane
1: actually Went through the entirety of this massive firebomb, <laughs> came out the other side, no issues, nothing's burned. Yeah. And at the same time, a second jet was coming past with me, an F 16. However, their trajectory wasn't quite as parallel to the runway as mine was, which meant they were coming basically straight after they came out of this fireball. Um and I was kind of watching what they're doing in case I need to kind of get out of the way and duck. Uh fortunately they turned before uh before hitting my my model. Mm. What I hadn't noticed or hadn't even contemplated uh with all the noise and uh, all the jets going off and the bombs going off was that turbines run off of a mixture of kerosene and air. If you're inside of a firebomb, there's not much of the latter. Mm. So the turbine went Mm. (laughs) out. So I'm now flying a brick, uh, and it took me a while to realize that the turbine wasn't running. So we ended up doing a whole circuit power off uh, to try and get back to the runway, which we almost made it. Unfortunately, we did bend a couple of landing gear pins because we managed to miss the runway. Purely by lack of uh, inertia or speed. But fortunately, no serious damage. Uh-huh. But definitely one of the best photos in
0: modelling I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good story, that. I was sitting here going, no, what next? <laughs> that's awesome. Now, tell yeah. us about the Flying Club, though, because, uh, you know, for those that haven't seen the video and you've got to get onto the uh, Martin's YouTube channel to have a look at the video. But uh, tell us about this Flying Club in Chile. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: it's... Immense. You, I've never seen any model field anything like it, and I've been very fortunate to have been able to see and, and travel to a number of uh, the, what is generally considered to be the world's best flying locations. The, um, the entire location itself, it doesn't matter where you crash, you will crash inside the grounds of the model field. But we're not talking about one runway. We have a main runway, we have a second runway where they tend to fly IMAC. There was a third runway a little bit further out. There was a fourth runway where they do all the glider towing, a fifth runway where they have all the helicopters flying. They have a a lake for boats. They have a restaurant that overlooks the lake uh, on one side and it overlooks the main runway on the other. It has uh, on-road boogies, off-road boogies, full go-kart circuit, shooting range, and roughly a hundred shipping containers where members store all their models so they don't even have to take the wings off. All they do is they take the batteries out, charge them at home, bring the batteries back, and go fly. Mm. But I mean, it's one of those locations where you you kind of have to see it to understand it. it's just a modeler's paradise. But it's both very fortunate and very well managed because the way they've been able to to actually build such an incredible location is because the initial uh, club in Chile was uh, a lot closer to the center, to the capital dating back loads and loads of years uh, when Santiago was a much smaller city than it is now. And they bought a small plot of land for error modeling, which was non-constructible. You couldn't do anything with the land other than plant tomatoes in it. So they bought it for peanuts. And then as Santiago, the capital grew, the, the boundaries of the city grew and that land that previously was worth nothing was suddenly worth quite a lot of money with the added factor that they could no longer fly there because they were building all the way around it so they ended up selling there and with that money they bought a bigger club further out from the center and then 10 years later exactly the same thing happened again mm-hmm. and uh the the figures that i was told which I'm not sure if I should say, but um, or if they're even accurate, but supposedly I believe that the, the second club was sold for $12 million. Oh. So when you have that kind of money to buy a location and set up what would be classed as like, okay, here's effectively a blank check, go build the world's best model club. Yeah. It's a lot easier than uh, than most locations have. Uh, but not only the fact that they had the capital to actually go ahead and build it, but the, uh, the way that they've gone about it, the, the the fact that they've kind of got an area for each type of modelling uh, that don't interfere with each other, uh, but they can come together in this central area where they, they have the restaurant and the dining area, the lake uh, and so on. Uh, all in a very friendly environment. And then, uh, the way they've gone about minimizing expenditure unnecessarily. So, uh, the, the whole ground of the, uh, uh the flying field, what isn't currently constructed on as a runway or, or immediate surrounding areas is actually covered in, uh, almond trees. So the collection of the almonds from the almond trees actually covers the upkeep of the whole uh, field throughout the year. So the cost of actually running this immense, crazy location is effectively zero.
0: That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think so mean- so, so a,
1: a brilliant management as well as a brilliant location.
0: How many members would be there? Um a difficult
1: question because they actually split the membership up between uh, the different types. Yeah, uh, I, be- I believe that for the flying side of things, they were something on the lines of 70, 80, 90 members, but then they have similar figures for the buggies, uh, a few less for the boating on the lake. Uh, I think it's South America's largest go kart circuit. And that had loads of members on it, Mm. Uh, so a lot of people can can be there at the same time and not really fill the place up because they're all sort of dotted about everywhere.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. That is like there, there, like my local club has uh, owns the field and they own a fair bit of land and they have the capacity to. Have other groups use the land, whether it be a buggy track or you know that kind of thing, but I think um, here in Australia, people are very cautious about doing that. About you know, there's been there was one group up near Sydney that um, that does it, uh, the Society of Model Engineers or something, and they had everything from steam trains to tethered car tracks and one fifth scale buggy track and then of course the runway and then actually they've just sold their land uh which they they sold for a very good price and they're re-establishing themselves at a bigger 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 venue but besides that a lot of these other clubs haven't really entertained the idea of encouraging other people to come in and, and utilize the land and therefore get some extra members and make the place a bit more vibrant but um i'll tell you what it sounds like it sounds like an amazing place absolutely amazing is it all asphalt runways as well, or paved runways? Yeah, all of them except for the uh,
1: glider towing, and that's purely by choice because the glider guys prefer not to go off the
0: tarmac. Yeah, uh, I'd be with them as well. Makes a lot of sense. Well, that's awesome. What an event. That would be an amazing experience. And you've been there a couple of times.
1: Yeah, i uh, been there. They've put on a few different uh, events. Normally on the... Um, let's try and get this right on the uneven years they do the andes jets which is the one that we've just been to and then on the even years they do the catch aero show catch being the name of the uh, of the aero club and uh yeah on both of those uh events they, they put on a really good show and uh i think probably like most uh sort of latin countries the 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 friendship and uh how well, they take care of everyone who's there, it is really something that stands out as well. I mean, you, you come back with friends for life, yeah, it's amazing.
0: Oh, that'd be a good experience, even, yeah. even
1: if you've if you come back with friends for life, even if you do have a plane that blows up and you fall a fuel tank that gets self ejected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna
0: picture my mind in my mind of this fuel tank just <laughs> flying off through the bottom of the plane as you pull up, and it's like, oh. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, a generally, generally
1: I'm, qu- I'm quite quick on figuring out what's going on. Uh, and it's like, okay, an aileron's stuck. We need to do this to get it flying straight. Or we've got uh, a flap stuck or, you know, whatever. But at the point when you suddenly see a big, massive sort of like brown ball just fall out the plane, think, what the heck was that? <laughs> you, you can't, it takes a couple of seconds to it, and it's not working big round thing fell off. Plane doesn't have any big round things outside. Yeah. Oh, it's the tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: no. Now what? Oh,
1: I'd probably Fortunately the the tank was on the CG of the plane. Yeah. Uh so the plane actually flew just as good, if not better because it was lighter. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that well. it didn't have anything propelling it, it would have been fine. Yeah.
0: Perfect. <laughs> it's a glider now. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. Coming back to home, what are you mainly flying now? Is it, is it is it predominantly jets when you go out for for a social fly or a bit of a bit of both? Bit of both. Uh, I, I still tend to mix. I've got
1: my uh pilot RC slick here right next to me. And uh a couple of different jets that I'm flittering uh, between at the moment. Uh my current projects are currently more jet-related, uh purely because they're the uh the opportunities that I've had at the moment for because they're, they're ones that I've bought over the last sort of 18 months, which are I just haven't really had time to get to yet, or, or a location to build them in or film in. Uh, but soon, soon it's time to put all that right.
0: Well, I always say they're uh, the two best YouTubers that produce aeromodeling content for aeromodellers. The, the people that are in the hobby that are flying is is. You've paved the way, Martin Pickering, and and now we've got Jonathan Vote from uh, the lighter side of RC. Both of you, I think, are you know you're having a bit of a race. You know, Jonathan, you know, said in his <laughs> podcast episode that yeah, I heard the podcast, you heard it. You, <laughs> he wanted to see if he could you know pip you at the post as far as subscriber numbers. What's your plan? You know, what what are your words to Jonathan? Well, I would say that as I think we've mentioned in previous podcasts,
1: I, I am a competitive guy, so. i'll find a loophole just for now um for one of his comments uh all all in good humor of course uh he uh he set himself the target to beat my subscriber count and i think it was a couple of weeks ago he mentioned that uh that he'd finally achieved that goal um i've been dedicating a lot of time to my spanish youtube channel if you join together my (laughs) subscribers (laughs) subscribers <laughs> from one channel and the other channel he's almost there but not yet <laughs> uh,
0: okay that, that is, that no, is a- aside,
1: i mean I, I heard that podcast and uh as soon as i i got out of the car i actually messaged him, messaged him and uh uh well thanked him for a couple of the comments that he made yeah. and also uh just sent him a bit of a, a congratulation message because yeah. i know how much time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears he's been putting into that channel yeah. to grow at the rate that he is doing. And I think not many people understand quite how many hours he's taking out of everything else to be able to create that content for us all to enjoy. Yeah, that's so the, that's uh, the biggest takeaway big that thumbs I thumbs up and a big congrats to him. Uh, even if we did kind of then say, okay, time to do the race to hundred K. <laughs> <laughs> we get that first. Well, that's at the right. moment, I'm, I'm sure that he's going to be getting closer than I am for now. Uh, but once I get this place finished and I can actually get going,
0: the race is going to be on. Oh, the challenge has been set. I, I tell you what, the, the, the amount of work <laughs> that both of you have to put in is just, is just phenomenal, you know, because, you know, knowing what it takes to produce video content, it's it's a big commitment. You know, a podcast is easy, really, you know, uh, in in that you don't have to worry about the visuals, just the audio. You don't have to do as much editing in a kind of way, even though I'll go through and I clean up audio, uh, you know, if, if, if I over talk or anything like that, we'll chop bits out and that kind of thing. But, <laughs> but uh, it's... It's just when you're doing build videos, that's the hardest of all because you have to build the model. It's not just filming the model, you have to build the model, and then you've got to put the camera in the right location so it can show. Got people. to be safe. Yeah, and you've got to work <laughs> out what to say. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard enough just building the model and concentrating on building the model, let alone going, oh, I've got to film this as well. And then you've got to go through all the editing of it as well. And, and well, and- it's, the, it's the fact that
1: what you plan for the video is normally never what you end up with. Hmm. So you may start a video, okay, this is what the plan is, this is what we're gonna do. You start building it, and this applies to air shows too. I normally go to an air show and I kind of have some degree of an idea of how I want to focus a particular video. Um, But then something happens at the event or with the build And suddenly the focus changes and you realize, okay, so the really cool part of this video is now going to be this, not this. So all the intros that I've already filmed and all the planning and and B-roll shots that I've got until now no longer really apply to the focus that I'm going to give this video. So I'm going to make a new intro for it Mm. and then something else happens and you end up I mean, the last few videos I've made, I've actually cheated and uh, I've filmed the intro and the outro and a lot of the, uh, the talking content in the last 10 minutes of the event because you then know what the video is going to be and you can kind of focus the whole video from there rather than ending up actually filming four different intros and before you decide, no. I need
0: a fifth one. <laughs> See, you, you've got to be efficient, though. I don't. Like, every time I've gone to an event and filmed at an event, I generally don't fly at the event because it's hard for me to concentrate on doing both. And I went to a, a float, the float flying event that I was telling you about earlier and I thought, oh, I'll shoot a video and capture sort of that, that moment of flying the float plane and sharing that experience. And I was in such a rush because I wanted to go and fly. And because and I normally because that's why I normally don't take a plane with me. I'm going to shoot a video. I'll just shoot the video and enjoy doing that rather than mixing things. But uh, it was so stressful. Like, okay, hurry up, let's do this. And the talking bits are okay because I can sort of do them in sort of one piece. You know, I'll I'll do the intro, I'll do the outro, splice it all together, and then. But then I've got to go and film. Planes flying. And uh, we've talked about this before. I hate filming planes flying because it's just so hard to do. It's just so challenging. And you got to tell me about that camera again because <laughs> that you used because it, it works really, really well because I just hate filming planes fly because it's just so hard. But, uh, you know, and, and it sort of comes together in its own kind of way. But the build video is just... Um, and then,
1: uh, of course, there's, there's always the added factor of that if it's an air show, normally you have music oh yes yeah and YouTube doesn't like it when you have music no do no. suddenly uh, either gets demonetized or it can't be viewed in a load of countries because there's six seconds of someone's song in there somewhere yeah. because suddenly you come, the, the turbine is a little bit further away and you it's no longer drowning out the music yeah. so I actually have it, it's funny because a lot of my own flying shots are actually filmed. I'm not going to say after hours, but towards the end of an event, when maybe some people are starting to go, and uh, you can actually finally say to the DJ, like, "Dude, kill the music. I need six minutes. I need a flight. We've clean out clean audio. Can you just like really kill the music? And as soon as I finish, you can pump it back up again. And Funnily enough that's how a lot of my a lot of the flying content from my my flying is actually able to be uploaded to to, to YouTube yeah. otherwise half the flying shots that I have it just destroys it you either have to have it in total silence which kind of eludes the point of of the flying because you don't hear the engine or what's going on and uh, or it just gets banned
0: entirely uh, see but for every problem, we'll find a solution. Well, I went to an event last. Uh, it was last year, our big shepherd and mammoth scale flying. It's one of our biggest scale events, and always, you know, big, big planes and and that kind of thing. And and I said to the guys, yeah, I'll come. I'll be up there. I'll shoot a video. Help, you know. Well, I like shooting the videos to for, for even the participants that went there to to reminisce, you know, in years in you know, in the years to come about you know the event. I turn up, and the weather is terrible absolutely terrible it's cold it's wet it's windy and i'm thinking what am i gonna do here like it's gonna be a flying event video without any flying because the weather's so bad yeah and anyway, you know i so i thought oh, i've got to make the most of it so i started the video with this whole attitude of you know things i don't always go to plan but you know you know what positives can you take away from a flying event? And so then I started, you know, doing these little pieces on, and here's another positive thing at a, at a flying event. And it actually sort of kind of came together. There's a little bit of flying happened, happen, but there was, you know, only a handful of planes. So there wasn't a lot of variety and to shoot different planes flying like like normal, but, um, I, I sent it through to the club, the president, and I said to him, look, I tried my best, but <laughs> this is all I could get because it's really hard to shoot a flying video. A fly, have an event video when there's not much flying happening, and he said, nah, it was really, really good, and I thought, oh, thank you. Uh, but, um, yeah, you got to – sometimes I like that challenge, though, of just rolling with the punches. When I do um, marketing work for, um, you know, my day job and I have to go and shoot a video, I always said, don't worry, I'll work it out on the day. And because when you turn up and you've yeah. got to do an interview and, and, of course, it's a dark room with no atmosphere, you're sitting there going, oh, my <laughs> God, here we go again. But I go, that's all right, we'll, we'll make the most of it. Nobody's ever complained yet, but uh, it's just another challenge of video production, really, but... um. It's easier doing a podcast. Keeps it interesting. Yeah, yeah, that does. Where would the fun be if it was all easy? That is true. (laughs) That is true. And look, we aero modelers like doing hard things. The whole aero modeling sphere is 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 about doing hard things. You know, we've got to build models, we've got to learn how to fly them, we've got to try to fix them, bring them home safely, etc. etc. It's all about we we gravitate towards hard things, we aero modellers. Yeah, it's a challenge. Now, speaking of hard things, I need to get some advice because as I said, I went flying today and uh, my 100 cc and I've got dump mufflers on it, no canisters, and one of my mufflers came loose again. What is your tip on keeping mufflers connected to your engine? Uh, there's a couple of different ways that people try and go about this. Um,
1: it's hard to say that there's any one solution that works, period. Um, it can also be dependent on how balanced and engineers, prop is uh, spinner. So first of all, try and make sure, double check that your prop is balanced and that the spinner is balanced because a lot of the spinners that we get nowadays aren't as balanced as we would like. So even though we balance the prop, we then put an unbalanced spinner on it and we're back to ground zero. Uh, but then personally, uh, I actually had a good friend uh, tell me that once that, if you can cool the exhaust a little bit, then it will help avoid uh, the bolts coming loose because basically the um, the exhaust itself, obviously it's absorbing all of that uh, heat, fire and explosion from the engine and they get really hot really quickly. So being metal, that makes it change in size ever so slightly as it, uh, Uh, contract and dilate with all different temperatures and then if you can just open a couple of slits in the cowl in front of where the exhaust is so we're no longer cooling the engine with this we're actually cooling the exhaust Uh, it'll actually help it keep at a lower temperature which means that that change in size won't be so drastic and it's the change in size of the exhaust because of the temperature what's basically allowing that bolt that at one point was tight to then not be tight because it's not quite the same thickness of metal between the head of the bolt and the uh, engine cylinder. So if we can cool that exhaust a little bit, it'll also help the exhaust have a similar temperature to the engine, uh, which means that both parts uh, should vary uh, sort of the same kind of amount. And since I've been doing that, I don't think I've actually had any exhausts come off. So for me, touch wood seems to work.
0: Sounds a good plan. You're not using Loctite or anything on the screws or different gasket goo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I
1: tend to use a uh, gasket goo both as a joint and actually put it inside the thread uh of the cylinder head as well. So Uh, I've never really used thread lock for an engine uh, even though I know they do have uh, high-temperature versions But uh, yeah, just gasket goo both for gasket and acting as a thread lock Uh, But that alone doesn't do anything ask me how I know but uh, the 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 cooling of the uh, uh, of the engine by a a couple of slits on the cowl really does seem to, to help it may not be as pretty because it does mean adding a couple more holes to the cowl. I normally try and follow some of the lines on the color scheme of the cowl if there are any, and it just helps it kind of blend in a little bit. Or if not, just uh, a couple of lines here and there. Doesn't need to be much uh, because it is still receiving some airflow over the engine, albeit from hot air from the uh, air that's already gone over the cylinder. But uh, yeah, just maybe, I don't know three centimetres by five millimetres, two lines for each uh, exhaust. And for me, for now, seems to work.
0: It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I need to now, you got me really thinking, I'm going to have to, before I pull the cowl off to re- put reattach the muffler, I'm going to have a look at that airflow. Because one side's okay, it's just the other side. So maybe one... Might be getting a bit better airflow. Might be a little bit cooler, but that is a good point. But yeah, you're right. You get so many different tips on on what to do. uh, You know, from Loctite to the gasket goo kind of uh, approach. I've heard of uh, lock wires. Uh, I've used um, anti vibration washers as well, and I found that well, this is on a on a thirty cc. I had this problem and. I tried all sorts of different things and uh, tried the goo and that didn't work. And uh, eventually I put some Loctite in and that seemed to seem to have held it together for, for well, had, had, haven't had a problem since, but yeah, I really don't know. It's a very tricky one, but anyway, I'm going to have a look at that. Well, Martin, normally. How I'm about asking, your jet flying? Am I? Yeah. Oh. Have, have. Look, my jet fall, I have two.
1: every podcast you've always you've always told me about your jet oh well I've st-
0: I've got two <laughs> is it jets working is it flying no well look this is what's happened Martin I I crashed one jet last year uh I then ordered a replacement Viper jet which has come uh which is a bit of a surprise scheme uh uh so that... Is still sitting. They're not. Uh, that got delivered with uh, some damage to a wing that happened during transit, but um, they replaced the wing for me, which is quite kindly. And I've got that, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to reassemble that. And in the meantime, I bought another little a jet called a Mini Shark uh, from uh, Baja Hobbies. Um, oh, There's another name for it, a little sport jet. And I bought that off a fellow club member. And again, Martin, when it comes to building in me. Uh, it's i don't i take my time generally years this jet just needs the turbine dropped in which not hard to do as you know uh and the receiver gear put in and but winter's hit and i'm about to go and do some ski instructing at a ski resort near my holiday house uh on weekend so on and off I'm going to try to have it done by the end of winter. With the plan, sort of springtime towards the end of the year, I'll be back flying jets. But in the meantime, what I have been doing because I hadn't been flying for for a while, just a bit bit on and off, I've been focused on just getting out to the field and flying my prop planes just to to get back into the swing of the flying thing. So most of my energy has really been has gone into flying because you know everyone complains about me, Martin. Uh, there are people that sit at events and say, oh, yeah, that flat-out RC guy, does, he talks a lot, but does he ever actually go flying? Oh, and he's mentioned he's got this jet. Does he actually ever fly it? Well, when I flew it, I've crashed it. And so now I'm flying more and I have to replenish my – I had to send my Jetcat engine back to Germany because there's no – we've got a new dealer that's just starting out with Jetcat, but there was no dealer. So that was – that took a while. That was two and a half to three months just in getting the turbine sort of sorted out and then sent back at, at great expense as well. So, yeah, yeah, I'll get there, and you're inspiring me to do that. And everybody around me's got jets, but um, I'm going to get this little little mini shark going first, and then I'll uh, I'll get to my my new Viper jet as well. So I, I've got more jets now than when I last spoke to you. Good stuff. Is that is that a good answer? I've got more jets. Now the good answer will be
1: when you're saying, yeah, I've come this morning from flying it, I've done seven flights, and we're golden. That's what I'm waiting for.
0: We have these jet events here where um, we've got a great local jet association and what they do is there are two full-size airports that they get access to 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 fly, Uh, one of them for a weekend, one for just a a one-day kind of event. They're probably two to three hours' drive for most of us to get to. But I bought a jet to go to those events because there's something about flying at a full size uh, airport, and just it's just jets. It's no other, no prop planes or anything like that. It's just jets on a paved runway, and so my plan is to to get out to to, to one of those. But winter time here, you know, we've got a lot on, and so I'll wait till the better weather comes, which it buys me a bit of time. And the things I've got plenty of friends that want to help me, uh, you know, put the put the planes together, and they won't take that long at all. Really, I reckon a day. I reckon today I'll, I'll have these jets ready to go. So um so I might take up their offer and get a helping hand. We'll get it knocked off, all tested, and then get out there and fly them. But um, a question for you, actually. uh, What's your preference when it comes to jets? You know, is it sport, sport kind of jets or, or scale jets?
1: No, personally, it's all, always for me about aerobatics and some manoeuvre. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy my scale jets, but... Uh, as i do i enjoy my scale props but uh for a couple of flights after a couple of flights get me something back that i can uh i can roll
0: yeah this is i'm the same actually, i actually was talking to a guy at the field today about it and uh i said i get i can get bored pretty quickly for you know like fortunately i can really appreciate someone else's nice as nice model and not have a need to go and buy one of myself so you know even if it's a really large expensive jet i can sit and go i'm so glad you've got it because i'm actually getting a lot of enjoyment watching you fly that plane and watching Uh that plane so much so that i don't actually feel compelled to go and buy that model but um when it comes to my personal flying i need something that i can throw around a bit and i think it's it comes back to the aerobatics thing you know like Flying circuits, I get two circuits in. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm on sort of sport jet. Everything I've got is pretty much a, well. The Viper jet can be classified as a scale jet, but it's you know, kind of sporty. But this Mini Shark is wow. in, in, between. in between, in between. Yeah, yeah, a bit of an in between. Okay, final question, Martin, because uh, you know I don't want to take up any more of your time, and and we've got to save. Uh, you know, I'm going to have you back on again. You'll be you'll be back. plans for the coming year normally I ask people what is their favorite model but we've been through that but plans for the coming year you've finished uh well close to finishing the, the home renovation uh you should do a video on the new shed on your new workshop that'd be good but uh what are your plans for the upcoming year well
1: uh we're heading over to western park in a couple of weeks into the uk uh which is looking to be a really good one this year um We were already there last year for the first time back again. Uh, Last year, it was still uh, a very much a UK event. Uh, I think there was only another two other guys from from outside of the UK there. But this year, it looks like it's going to be back to the good Western park days that we knew uh, before uh, the world got locked down. So uh, looking forward to that and seeing a load of our international friends as well as our uh, UK friends. And uh, here in the workshop, uh, I'm actually looking forward to getting some building done, getting some flying done. As we mentioned, we've got the uh, the FC one, which is now unboxed and uh, just waiting for that uh, jet cap turbine to arrive to start the full build on that one. Uh, and hopefully, uh, if uh, our good friend Carlos Marquez at uh, CM Jets, uh, the guy who makes all the fuel tanks for for jets, um, he actually revealed at Jet Power in September that he now owns the molds for the Tomahawk Aviation F5, uh, and he's putting that back into production. Ooh. Now, I have him on video, and it's on my YouTube channel, saying that the uh, first uh, pre-production model will be available in November last november and that the first kits would be delivered to clients at the beginning of the year this year now that first pre-production kit has to come here for me to build fly paint and test uh and it hasn't arrived yet so uh i keep uh, checking in with him as to when that's going to happen because of course he he has to finish it so he can actually uh, fulfill those orders that he has as well so we currently have, I'm sitting in my workshop now, and behind me, I have the uh, J10, which is fully functional, which is already a big jet. And looking above it, we've got the uh, FC1, which, as you mentioned before, has a three metre length fuselage, which is a really big jet. And then I've got an empty space above it where that F5 is going to go, and the F5 if it's the version he's going to do it with two noses so both the single seater and the twin seater
0: <laughs>
1: and the twin seater the fuselage length goes to three meters 80. Oh, gee. so uh That's big. it's a good job we have a bigger workshop because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be able to do, uh do even get the planes in almost any other one but uh no so look really looking forward to uh the second half of the year a lot of projects a lot of youtube channel uh videos uh that are planned for and uh some of them already in the works and uh just in general getting back into what uh what we love doing uh building flying making videos and having fun and a little bit less mixing concrete
0: and uh using jackhammers <laughs> that is true now which we definitely don't enjoy <laughs> no no, and especially after a while, going for eighteen months, the last thing we're gonna do is uh is do any yeah, work like we've that. We've done a whole lot more than was planned,
1: yeah. Which means that all being well, nothing further will need to be done because we've literally done everything. Uh, but once that's
0: done, it will be done, and. Uh, It'll be a case of let the good times rock and roll. Well, there's a friend of mine that uh, bought a house, thought he'd do a, 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 you know, a slight renovation. Next minute, as he started pulling things out to start the renovation, he realised things were worse. Next minute, he's pulled the entire floor up and basically ground up, rebuild almost a ground up renovation, and he hasn't been able to fly or build any model aeroplanes for a number of years now as a result of what he got himself into. So uh, yeah, oh well,
1: this place Raquel actually saw it. And her immediate response was, it's great. We can move in straight away. It doesn't need any work doing to it. What I heard was, if we knock this wall down, that wall down, mm. uh, change this, do that, and do the other, and basically scrap everything barring the uh, outside walls that hold the roof <laughs> on top, then it'll be good. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've ripped the floor up. We've ripped the ceiling off. Uh, we have uh, leveled off all the walls so they're all flat rather than having the uh, sort of pebbledy dash uh, effect on them. All new electrics, uh, all new windows, which weren't in the plan because it oh. turns out the old walls didn't even close properly. Same as the doors, um, which meant we had to do all the rendering on the inside and the outside because of changing all the windows and doors the ceilings uh when we took the walls down the ceilings weren't at the same heights so we couldn't really join them all together so we had <laughs> to put new ceilings in and a very long etc <laughs> let's see Where? i can now say that i can do almost anything <laughs> yeah i know you've house. learned a lot uh, not that i want to <laughs> yeah, what i will say though is that having come from being an aero modeler doing the stuff in the house does seem easy though because being used to if we don't put one screw in, this thing will fireball yeah. to, oh, well, uh, put in some concrete, and if the concrete falls out, well, we'll put some more in. Yeah. And uh, then once it's finished, we'll paint it and then uh, put another layer of paint on. Yeah. Or if we uh, need to put in a pipe here, well, we'll just jackhammer a hole in the wall and yeah. put the pipe in. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, and uh, being used to, I suppose, solving our modeling problems, and how am I going fit to this, fit this wire through here without it burning on the turbine and so on. Um, the problems that we've come up against in the house have been all relatively easy, thankfully.
0: <laughs> well, to help Martin, this is what everyone's going to do. You're going to get onto uh, Martin's YouTube channel at Martin Pickering, uh, and you are going to subscribe, and you're going to watch his videos so we can help uh, Martin's cause. You're on socials as well, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Uh, I will
1: admit, at the time, not been as active as I I would like to be and should be on socials uh, lately for all the all the same reasons. Uh, I actually had Facebook remove and delete uh, about a year and a half ago or two years ago my uh, I hate the word but the fan page uh, because Facebook only allowed you to have five friends, uh, so that we had to create a fan page where you can have more friends, uh-huh. and that was up to fifteen or twenty thousand uh friends followers or whatever you want to call them and uh without any warning notice or recourse uh facebook decided to delete it perfect uh so we lost that and i've I've kind of fallen out with facebook since then um so all of my focus lately has been going to youtube really but uh yeah youtube has been slower than i would like but we will very soon be putting that right i have a load of footage already already filmed Half, a lot of it is already edited and uh soon we'll be getting back to a regular upload schedule uh with hopefully some really interesting content that's that I think people will enjoy and
0: uh we'll continue that race to 100 well you'll get there and a big thank you for for the effort that you put in so that we can sit back and enjoy and and I think with these build videos they really they teach a lot of people a lot of stuff as well and 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 um keeps things progressing so a big thank you, Martin Pickering. What a pleasure to catch no up worries. with you once again. Thanks for watching. And uh, look, we'll have you back. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll 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 get you back in another year's time and see how things have been progressing. You're a regular now. You're, you're one of the. Well, this is your third time on. I think it's your third or, or three and shall
1: we say third and a half? Yeah, I was
0: in that group of friends
1: in that's, Australia.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, all the best, Martin, and uh, happy flying. Thanks
1: for having us and uh look forward to future chats and uh
0: getting these videos done. About to leave, already packing, come with me, I'm not really asking, we'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted, and what an episode! A big thank you to Martin for joining me once again. Always good to have a chat with Martin. And don't forget to follow him. Get onto YouTube, type in Martin Pickering, M A R T I N Pickering, P I C K E R I N G, and you will find him. Uh, he's got some great videos there. We're fortunate to have people like uh, Martin. We had you know uh, Jonathan uh, Vote from the lighter side of RC. They go on toe for toe with subscribers. Subscribe to both of them because they're both doing really good things they're really creating content for the aero modeler, uh those people that are really into the hobby and uh which i love to see uh so well done to both of them but thank you martin for for joining us once again well the podcast keeps on rolling on so don't forget to subscribe to all things flat out rc we're talking about the youtube page the U- youtube channel i should say the instagram page facebook page and of course this podcast and Leave us a review if you think we're doing a good job. If we're not, don't say anything. If you like what we're doing, tell your friends as well. Spread the word so this flat LRC movement can continue. We can get these wonderful stories out to more people. So, be back in a couple of weeks. Talk to you then. Say out. And Clyde, a classic cliche, we're on the run. This is what we waited for.